Welcome to the Microgreens Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Marsh, and I'm on a mission to help you, teach you, and motivate you to grow flavorful and nutritious microgreens in your home. Each Microgreens Podcast is meant to supplement content published on homemicrogreens.com, but in reality, the show is more about sharing with you the joys of growing your own food. Not only is it more nutritious, but seeing those plants grow will lift your spirits, bring a smile to your face, and give you a positive outlook on life. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 46 of the Micah Greens podcast. Today I have something a little bit different for you. I have a guest. His name is Garrett Corwin. He is the owner of Piedmont Microgreens out of Durham, North Carolina. He sells to over 40 restaurants and some farmer's market and grows over 250 trays a week to supply those restaurants. And he's actually come out with a new product called Microgreen Manager. Now, yes, this is for people that are going to be selling microgreens, but I think even if you're a home grower, you should actually listen to the podcast because it tells, it talks about a lot of the information about growing microgreens and what we need to be concerned about, especially when you start growing more than one tray. We discuss these concerns in the podcast, and it will be useful for anyone that grows microgreens, whether you're growing one or two trays or whether you're growing 250s like Piedmont does. If you are growing multiple trays and selling to people, definitely listen to this podcast. You can find out more information about Microgreen Manager at the end of the podcast or down in the show notes. Here's the conversation that I had with Garrett, the owner of Piedmont Microgreens and the co-founder of the Microgreen Manager. Welcome to the Microgreens podcast. Today I have a special guest and something new. Generally, I'm solo here on the podcast, but today I'm going to be joined by Garrett Corwin, and he is with Micah Green Manager, and we're going to discuss why crop planting, why crop planting is such a headache and how to solve it. I don't really talk about this much. Generally, my whole thing is about people growing microgreens in the home for themselves. But before I did this, I actually grew for two farmers markets. I had a couple of wholesale accounts and several retail customers. So I had two harvest days. And I was growing a whole wide range of microgreens, so they weren't all planted on the same day. And it was a really a pain in the butt to try to schedule everything on when I needed to plant this, when I needed to plant that, and then for the two harvest days. So if you, even if you're not planning on selling microgreens, this is still going to be a good podcast to listen to because there's going to be lots of tips on there on how to manage your crops because you are growing crops, how to manage your crops um, even for yourself. So I want to introduce Garen Corwin. And again, he's with um, Microgreen Manager. That's the new software they're putting out. And I believe he has a farm also. So hi, Garrett. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, Todd. Great. So if you want to tell the audience who you are, where you're located, your experience, and any fun facts or hobbies or anything that you do when you're not working. Sure. So right now I'm located in Durham, North Carolina part of what we call the triangle here, Durham, the Capitol, Raleigh, and Chapel Hill. And aside from microgreen manager, as you alluded to, I also own Piedmont Microgreens. We've been in business for about two and a half, coming up on three years. And we sell the whole gambit of, of varieties, about 35. We tend to focus or have started two and a half years ago focusing on chefs. And that's where a lot of the varieties came from. And now we're doing more farmers markets and, and trying to find uh, our foothold into grocery stores. But we do about 35 to 45 restaurants and we do a farmer's market every Saturday. I think a 
fun fact about me is that I really did a 180 about five years ago before I got into farming. My undergrad degree and a lot of my, you know, teenage years and early 20s were spent in marine biology. I was did a lot of scuba diving, a lot of marine research. That was my degree. Um, I became a dive master and I, I love that world. I still do. But I had a change of heart after undergrad and went from being really interested in marine biology and science and research to being really interested in food and farming and business. And that's why I ended up over here on the opposite side of the country. I came to get a master's degree and worked on the Duke farm and then, and then started my farm. Yeah, so it's been, great. it's been a fun, you know, 180. Yeah. Now you're landlocked. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's good. So, you know, I think you're growing for chefs and from what I've heard, I never sold to chefs, but chefs are tough because each chef sort of wants things different. And from what I heard, you know, some chefs want one microgreen at one stage and other microgreens at another stage. Is that, is that pretty much the way it works? Is it, are they a little bit more difficult to work with than say retail or wholesale? They're definitely more focused on the nuances of the variety, how big it is. You know, I want my true leaf a little bit bigger. I want the stem a little bit shorter. They're a little less price sensitive than wholesalers, which are a little less concerned with quality and really are much more sensitive to the price to volume ratio. That's definitely the case. Yeah. Yeah. That that's good. I mean, that that's good things and bad things, right? I mean, it makes yeah. it, it makes it a little bit tougher to grow, but the fact that they're looking for quality mm-hmm. makes it a much better farm, I think, than someone just trying to grow for volume. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Great. So you have a new software out, and I believe it is it called Microgreen Manager? Correct. Yeah. So I think this is this is perfect because even when I had my teeny little farm, if you will, it was really difficult with all the tasks that had to be done at certain times to meet those goals of when you're going to sell your product, especially for farmers markets. Generally, retail and wholesale, you know, a day or two isn't going to matter. Chefs also probably want them fresh on their busy days like Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays. So, you know, timing is very important. So can you talk a little bit more about Microgreen Manager and what it can do? Yeah, the way I described the problem before the the solution of the software is, like you, you said, you know, even when I started before we had 40 restaurants and 40 varieties, it was like almost paranoia. It was like, shoot, was I, did I already plant radish? Was I supposed to plant it? Um, then you worry that you duplicated your plantings or you double planted or, or didn't plant. And so back then, like many people, I created an Excel-based solution. But when I think about the problem today, if I can paint it in the most severe picture, you have 30 to 40 varieties, each have two to four life stages from planting to germination, maybe humidity dome or blackout dome. And there are slight nuances between crops, you know, celery is a 10 day germination. And even within the same family, cilantro is a seven day germination. And so you have differences within those stages. If you're a farm that offers two delivery days, like a Tuesday and a Friday, you now have plantings to make sure that those things are ready on two days a week. Um, and then you have all the orders for each of your restaurants. Everyone wants different varieties, different container sizes. And you might have a farmer's market in there, or a wholesaler in there. 
And so it becomes this, this maddening logistical problem of, am I planting everything in the right volume at the right time so that it matures and is ready in the right volume for all my customers packed in the right way. So it's as fresh as possible when it ought to be ready. And what we've done with microgreen manager is it's myself, someone who has five years in farming and three years specifically with microgreens sort of uh, feeding what my life looks like to my older brother, who's a former software engineer for Facebook and getting him to understand how us farmers think and the problems we face that are unique to microgreens and unique to this grown to order model that is consistent and seasonless. And, and then of course we're bringing in other beta testers to make sure we capture all the nuances between farms. And the hope is that once the farmer puts in some basic information about the crops that they grow and the life stages of those crops, the expected yield per tray for those crops and some information about packaging sizes and things like that. You put in your orders for all your restaurants and assuming most of them are regular sort of recurring orders that the software will just continue to do the math in terms of the trays that you should be planting or the number of trays and when you should be doing all those tasks, when you should be planting, when you should be taking stuff out of germination, putting it under lights, even down to custom tasks like cleaning your farm, doing inventory and replacing your dehumidifier filters, um, that it's all, you know, 90 to 95% of that is, is automated and no longer cluttering your brain with the paranoia of, did I miss something? No, that, that's, that's really cool because you're sort of working in reverse. So mm-hmm. you're basically putting in a bunch of inputs, but your first thing is when and how much, when am I going to be delivering these microgreens and, and how much, and then by inputs of, uh, how long it takes to germinate, how long it takes to grow. It really does the math for you. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that, am I getting that right? That part, right? That's exactly right. And it doesn't matter whether you're using Excel, microgrid manager or pen and paper, the grown to order model is inherently working from the end backwards. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. So what are some of the inputs? So, can your software, I mean, does, does it, will it even do seed orders for you or how much seed you're going to use per week, something like that, so that you can actually uh, plan ahead as far as your sales and, and, and stock you have on hand? So if we're starting from what I think as the logical beginning, when we think about this cycle of crops and blends into products, into orders, into tasks, into harvests, crops is where I start and you say, okay, Let's take all the individual varieties we want to or that we do grow as a farm and let's give it all the basic information that is absolutely required to do all this math. So we're going to give it a name. We're going to give it a grow time, uh, total grow time. We will give it a sowing sowing density, um, although that's not intrinsically linked to anything. That's just useful for the user, whether it's myself or an employee to know what we do when we plant basil versus celery. And then you can put in container sizes. Now, some farms sell just by the ounce, so they don't really have fixed volume containers, but we do. So I might put in like a three ounce option and a six ounce option. From there, you can submit it as is, and it can be sort of the bare bones crop and the rest you just figure out as you go, or maybe your farm is a little different. Or you can get in depth and you can say, okay, well, we already told the software that 
our basil is a 21 day grow, but we need everyone on the farm to understand that we're actually going to plant it on day zero. We're going to germinate it on day zero, right? It just goes into germination right after. But for basil, we go under humidity domes. If we're doing broccoli, we're putting it in weighted stacks. And then you can tell it, okay, well, it's going to be under humidity domes for five days. And then after that, it's going to go under lights. You're going to take the dome off. You're going to put it over on rack two, because that's where we put our basil. Um, and then it'll, it'll go until it hits those 21 days. And then you'll get, you know, told to harvest it and, and how to harvest it. We need five clamshells of two ounces of basil rather than just a nondescript 10 ounces. Well, it's like, how do I structure that? Right. So all that is built in to the crop. And although you can put in your sowing density and anytime you put in uh, volumes, you can choose depending on your preference or maybe where you are in the world, whether you want ounces or grams. For example, we, we talk about sowing density in terms of grams, but we package in terms of ounces. And to your point about sort of inventory management, our primary goal is to create a really good crop planning software. The fact that you can put in sow density is nice, you know, information to have as a, an employee or a user. But for right now, there is no way to say, okay, we just bought a 25 pound bag of seed of broccoli and we plant 20 grams per tray. And then it tracks how many trays of broccoli you're growing and sort of manages warnings of when you're running low on that, that inventory of seed. But that is definitely something on our list for um, future nice to haves. Sure. Get the, get the basics down first and then add on from there and what, what may be, what may yeah. need to be done. That's cool. And I think this is a, this is a great, great idea. I'm sure that um, you're going through a lot of testing right now. And have you found things in the whole process that you didn't expect to find that you needed that the software needed to handle? Recently, somebody reached out to us on Instagram and said, hey, I do my sewing densities by volume. And the second they said that, I said to myself, I've seen that all over the place. Why didn't I? I, I have to detach m- the way that I operate in my farm from the way that other farmers might do it. And so she's like, I sew based on tablespoons or teaspoons of seed. I just use a little measuring cup. And I go, yes, of course. That makes perfect sense. It's probably faster maybe you're sacrificing speed for uh, accuracy, but cool. I tell my brother, hey, add it to the feature list. Should be super simple. When you hit the drop down for your units, grams, ounces, tablespoons, teaspoons. Again, in my farm, I don't, what I, what I call, I don't co-plant my blends. So we have a radish trio, three types of radish. We have a ram, like we, we will plant those trays, those varieties separate, and then mix them in a, in a bin and repackage them. Same with our spicy mix and our mild mix. But then I talked to the guys at Peak Microgreens and they say, yeah, we do kale, arugula, broccoli, you know, kohlrabi. We mix the seed and then we co-plant the seed. And I'm like, okay, that's not something I've done and there's pros and cons to it. But shoot, we need to make sure we have the flexibility for the farmers that plant their blends that way. Right. So there's definitely, and that's where they're like, I think a lot of farms are, maybe 70 to 80% the same that are grown to order. And it's we're, we're really trying to find those 20 to 30% um, that maybe I don't do in my farm or I haven't thought about to make sure that it's as flexible as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That that's those, the blends are, are 
It's an interesting way to grow microgreens. Um, a lot of my customers like to buy blend seeds already pre-blended. And mm-hmm. that's great, but it sort of limits what you can grow together because of the growing habits and the time and the germination factors. Um, so, you know, I prefer the way you do it where you grow an individual tray. And if something takes longer, you just pre-plan it before the other mm-hmm. ones. Um, so that's been my experience to creating blends to, to sell is yeah. that, you know, there's lots of things I'd like to add, but you really can't because of the different germination factors and sure. different germination rates too. Right. So that blend can change Absolutely. depending on your seed lot. So yeah, that's another question I brought in is, um, I guess I guess it's up to the user for the inputs and as far as how much seed they use and what yield they get off the trays, right? Mm-hmm. So if they do change something, they can just basically go back into the software and change their their yield per tray, and then yeah, right all the now populations will change from that point on. Correct. So right now, there's two comments on that. One, when you go into edit a crop or create a crop, when you put in the expected yield number, excuse me, it is a fixed number. In the future, we want to have a place where where users can put in, you know, real data that says, hey, today we harvested 10 trays of broccoli and they yielded, you know, 200, 210, 190, 180, 177. And the software will say, okay, I'm going to make the expected yield from which I create the calculations on how much to plant. I'm going to make it based on the average, the running average of the last hundred trays of broccoli or the last 50 trays of broccoli. And that way, as you improve your farm, you maybe start fertilizing your crops or start growing them for 14 days instead of 11 and you get more yield per tray that the software is always using the most up-to-date information in terms of your farm's you know, health and yield. Right now it is effects number. So that's sort of comment number one and something we hope to get in the future. And then comment number two on the sort of editability of crops is that editability seems so trivial, right? You go in and, and for things like name, it is, I want to change the name of this from Genevieve's basil, to purple basil or whatever. But when you talk about how linked everything is, if you go in and you want to change basil from a 21 day grow to an 18 day grow or 21 day to a 25 day, well, if something has already been started, you can't change that. You can't halt biology and say, oh, it was an 18-day grow, but like we're going to put it in the fridge to slow it down so it becomes a 21-day grow. You just, you can't, it's not practical. It's not even possible. And so what the way we said the software should prioritize things is if there is any task, which we'll talk about tasks in a second, but if there's any task associated with this order that has already been started, then... And then the user goes in and changes something about that crop or that blend. It won't affect anything that has already started. It'll it'll change anything that is yet to be started. But um, if you have you know four orders of basil sort of underway, maybe one is three weeks old and about to be harvested, one is two weeks old, one is one week old, and then you have six more in the queue that have not been planted yet. It won't change the first three, but it'll change the the, the six that are in the queue. That's I mean that's. Good thing you had your brother to have some software experience there, right? Because that's that's a difficult task, yeah. right? And when I grow, I don't really have a heated environment. So I'm in the Northeast, so 
my grow times change depending on the seasons because of the way I heat, heat the area. So yeah. I ran into that problem too. So what I had to do is basically create two or three different varieties, if you will. So basically mm-hmm. like sunflowers, spring, sunflowers, summer, spring, you know, sunflowers, winter to make mm-hmm. up for that difference to do that. That's how I had to do it. But I like your idea much better. It really cuts down on the inputs and, and what's going on. And you could, you know, for your case in particular, you could, for for a case like yours where it's weather dependent, or let's just say we have two chefs, both want mustard. One wants it really young. They don't want to see the true leaf. They want like 10 day, 11 day mustard. And one's like, I want big true leaves. Uh, I want to put it on a big 18 ounce steak and have it really kind of, kind of fill it out as a, as a garnish. Um, so you have a, an 11 day version and a 22 day version of mustard. You could have those as independent crops. And just give them the appropriate title, right? Um, and for you, you can make you know three different sunflower crops. Um, give them a you know a seven day grow time in the summer because of the extra heat, and a fourteen day grow in the winter for a different sunflower input uh, when it's colder. Yeah, your way works also good if when you're starting out and you may not have good data, right? Yeah. So it's not affecting what you have growing now, but you can change in your next batches moving forward. So that, that, that's a, that's a great way. That's, that's inventive right there. That's good. So let, let's talk about task. So, I mean, this is what it comes down to because as we said, before we started the podcast the other day, I got into my nutrition course and completely mm-hmm. forgot I had to plant sunflowers. So I was already mm-hmm. a day behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a couple questions since I haven't seen the software yet. Um, for these tasks, are they labeled sort of as a, as a drop down, or you have to enter them? I got a couple of questions here that that you can. They're easy to remember. Um, so, is it sort of like a drop down? Like, you know, you can talk about how you enter those the data for the task, and also, will the app or the software remind you of what tasks are coming up? Sort of, or do you have to get into the program and be in the program to see that? Can, does it have notifications? I guess is what the question is. Like everything sure. else in the world these days. Sure. Question one: You can you can make the task name whatever you want, and I mean that to say when you are creating the crop, it is going to. You know, you can submit a crop without giving it any steps. You can just say total grow time, ten days, and it'll default into a plant at time zero and a harvest at time. 10. You can get into the nitty gritty and say, I want it to also germinate at time zero. And maybe I want to put some information there about we're going to germinate on rack one and it's going to be stacked five high with a weight, whatever your employees or you might want as a reminder. You can then say, I want it to go under lights, therefore out of germination after three days or on day three. And then it'll take the rest, the, the seven days remaining as grow time under lights and then harvest on day 10. And so when you're creating those steps within the total grow time, you can call them whatever you want. Um, you know, for me, I put like weighted germination, humidity, dumb germ, under lights, call what you want. When you go into the actual tasks tabs, now when, when you, sorry, when you hit submit on an order and it auto generates all the tasks needed to create that order in the right volume at the right time, it's going to use the names from the steps that you just created in the crop. So if you called it, 
you know, plant versus planting. Maybe, maybe you made basil and you, you said, um, germinate. And then you made a sunflower crop and you said germinating. But when it shows up under the tasks, it's going to say germinate for anything to do with the basil and germinating for anything to do with the sunflower. So it is custom. And I think that's, we're trying to make it as flexible as possible. We might bring that in so that you have a fixed dropdown so that people don't confuse themselves where they say, you know, in one instance, they're making a bunch of crops and they say, uh, you know, germinating, meaning weighted germination. And then they get 10 crops deep creating all the crops and they say weighted germination. And they kind of, they don't, they just assume there's, there's no confusion there. And then, you know, employee goes to read the software and read the tasks they have to do. And they go, wait, this one says germinating. This one says weighted germination. Are those different when the user really meant that they're the same thing? But I think, I think people might confuse themselves there. So we might box people in, in that way and, and say, okay, you can choose between plant, germinate, humidity dome, blackout, lights, you know, harvest, whatever. Right. So under tasks, so 95% of your tasks are auto-generated by the software as soon as you hit submit on the order. You can also go into the task tab and you go down to the bottom and you can make custom tasks. So like I said, you can, in my farm, we do inventory every month. So I can say inventory, type in the name, every, the first of every month, it's going to be a repeating task. And you hit submit and it'll just show up chronologically with the rest of your tasks. When the first of the month comes around, you'll see plant, unstack, harvest. Oh, inventory. Cool. I know we need to do that now. So you can have auto-generated tasks and custom tasks. And to your question about notifications, that is another sort of nice to have that we want to add probably after launch from a priority perspective where we're, th- we're leaning towards email because if you have uh three harvests 40 plantings some other tasks it's probably just going to be more digestible over email uh for now you can go when you log in there'll be a main dashboard and so instead of having to log in go to tasks figure out what day of the week it is and then sort through all the tasks that you need to do today or this week on the main dashboard you will have a summary of all your tabs so it'll say Today's tasks, tasks for the next seven days, harvests for today, harvest for the next seven days, all the way down to say these tasks are overdue. Nobody has marked them as complete. So maybe inventory came up, you weren't expecting it. And and you said, hey, hey, Billy, can you can you do inventory? I need to harvest. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got it. Uh, he finishes up with what he's doing and then he joins you with harvest and he never does inventory and the day passes by. and you go to your dashboard and you see you have inventory as an overdue task and you go, shoot, Billy didn't do inventory. Let's make sure we get that done. Um, so nothing should slip by. Um, but to your point, you still need to log into the software as of right now and, and see your dashboard and, and assess it there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, emails is a great idea because you could probably eventually get it so that you could actually put in who's going to get those emails right under under what tasks they are and i think that's a great thing with the overdue because you know if you have workers or co-workers um mm-hmm. that way if you're the in the manager aspect you can actually go and check and make sure that that got done so absolutely nothing, like you said slips through the loops that that sounds really good that's that's you know i think the task is the key thing with this i mean it's really nice and all to have your all your data in one place but i think you know mm-hmm. late 
laying out those tasks is really what it's all about. Yeah, those are the, those are the action items that actually get, you know, keep the farm on track. Really, it sounds pretty slick. I, I have one more question. So yeah. anyone that grows microgreens know there, there is variation in the trays week to week. Mm-hmm. So when someone puts an order in, I guess we haven't talked about that and how orders get into the software too, mm-hmm. um, whether it's uh, the manager manually puts them in or whether there's some other system. But is there a way to put in, if you will, fluff into that so that you can actually plant more trays than the bare minimum? Yeah, right now there isn't. It's definitely on our features list. And when I think about my farm and fluff, I think about Shiso. It's one of the only varieties that constantly gets damping off and I just don't know why. And so we definitely plant, you know, almost double what what we ought to if they were healthy healthy trays. So in the future we want to implement uh, an additional feature that says, you know, calculate to the minimum trays necessary or you can say give me a 10% margin or a 20% margin. And the way tray count is calculated right now is it says it's it scours all of your orders and it says okay, here are all the orders for this variety or these varieties that are due on this day. And that includes blends cuz we're counting the varieties and their contribution to the right. blends. And it's saying okay, I have all these orders for sunflower and then I have orders for blends that include sunflower at this contribution percentage. Okay. Uh, let's sum all those up in terms of the, the volume needed to meet those orders. And it might be a partial tray. It might be 6.7 trays. I don't know anybody who plants partial trays, so it'll just round that up. So you will get a little bit of fluff in there naturally, unless that calculation comes back as a spot on whole, you know, imager. Right. There's a little bit there and that we can talk in a, in a sec about surplus, but there is a little bit just based on the way that I don't know any farmers that are so good with their calculation that they're saying, I only need five and a half trays. So I'm only going to plant that half, you know, half of that six that you're just going to plant the full tray anyway. Yeah. Well, maybe I do. Maybe I just, you know, <laughs> maybe I grow a tray with a little less, you know, a little less seed in it. Sure. But, Anyways, that's good. You know, we've got 29 minutes now, so I don't really want to wrap this up too fast. I want to give you, I'm sure my interview here isn't that great. I'm sure I've missed some things, some things that you want to talk about. So what else about Microgreen Manager or anything else that you'd like to add to the podcast here? I'd say the last, the last two things on the user side or the last thing on the user side is the orders. So you can think about like your crops aren't changing all that much. So once you put in your initial information for your crops, you're probably not visiting that tab all too often. Same with blends um, and and sort of the product container sizes are built into that. So you're not really visiting those tabs too much. And same with orders. You're putting in your orders, if it's mostly recurring orders or your your demand or volume for a farmer's market or wholesalers, going to be pretty consistent week to week. But the last thing you're doing, once you have your crops and your blends and the sizes associated with those, is you're going to orders and you're saying, here's my customer. Does this customer want a one-off order? For us, that's a lot of caterers. They say we have a big wedding coming up. It's four weeks out. It's two weeks out. It's eight weeks out. And it's just this wedding. We don't have a wedding of this size planned for every week. So we don't want a recurring order. 
And so you're going to put in your customer information. You're going to pick whether you want it to be a one-off order or a recurring order. A lot of ours for restaurants are just standing recurring orders, generally on a weekly basis, generally on a Friday. And then you'll pick if it is recurring, you'll say, I want this to recur forever until I say otherwise. Or maybe you have restaurants or markets that are seasonal. They say, we change our menu with each season, roughly every three months. So we'll pick an end date or it'll recur forever. And then you can pick the cadence. So you can say, I want this order to be created or, or planned for every day of the week. For us, we only harvest and deliver on Fridays. So we would make all of our recurring orders every Friday in perpetuity. Or we have some that say, we like micros. We don't go through them that much. Let's do every other week. So then you can say, I want it to be ready on you know, Friday, October 2nd or whatever it is. Um, and then every third week after that. So every, every third Friday, starting from the start date that you pick, you'll have an order for that customer ready. And then you can, of course, enter the contents of that order. You can say, I want you know, these crops, this container size, this number of containers, these blends, this container size, this number of containers. So you can put in your orders. And it's really once you hit submit on those orders, you know, the crops, the blends, and the orders is really the user side inputs. Once you hit submit on that order, the software is doing all the heavy lifting from that point on to determine the tasks and to give structure around your harvests, which is the other uh, sort of undiscussed tab. When your harvest come around, you'll go to the harvest tab, you'll select the date of the harvest, and it'll lay it all out, out for you. It'll say you have 152 trays to harvest to meet 22 orders, and it covers you know 12 varieties. And then it'll break it down. It'll say, okay, first field peas. For field peas, this is how many trays you have that you should be harvesting. This is how much yield you should expect to get off those trays based on historic running averages or fixed expected yields. And of all that yield that you have, let's just call it a thousand grams, you are going to need 600 grams to, to meet the orders for today, which also means you have 400 grams of surplus that maybe just is, is your way of planning for the farmer's market. You say, cool, that's what we need for the farmer's market. I'm not going to deliberately plan for that. But what's awesome is after it runs through all of your varieties, so you say, cool, that's field peas. I need two containers at eight ounces, one container at four ounce for these customers. Cool. Let's mark that as complete. Field peas are done. Let's move on to the next variety. You can work down the list. When you get to the bottom though, it'll compile all of those surpluses from all of your blends and all of your varieties. And it'll say field peas, 400 grams, radish, 200 grams, sunflower, 100 grams. And you have this list of all the things that assuming there weren't huge variances in your farm, you'll have extra of. And for us, I can just copy that list, paste it into my email manager and send it off to 90 chefs and say, this is, this is what we're going to have extra of. Here's the varieties. Here's the quantity. Let us know in the next, you know, two, three days. And you should know these things days, if not weeks in advance. Um, so you can send it out on Monday for a Friday harvest. And that gives your chefs three or four days to say, ah, you know, we got this special on the menu this week. Let's, let's get some extra radish or, you know, maybe, maybe you have customers that don't use micros except for special events. We have those people, they want to be on our mailing list, but they don't want a standing order, but that's, 
that's kind of antithetical to grown to order. So how do we satisfy a customer that doesn't want to place an order days or weeks in advance, but still wants the ability to buy microgreens? Well, this is how. Um, and that's that's really it comes it comes together with Harvest. You can you can print a pack list uh, that you can take with you in the car, so you know what each customer gets. And I think the last thing I'll say about Harvest, in the same way that we can, it, it'll auto calculate surpluses, it'll auto calculate deficits. And that's what we're working on right now is is the editability of orders or of plantings. So as I mentioned, Shiso has been really problematic for us. I can go in and I can say, man, we were really, we we put in expecting seven full trays of Shiso, but two of them died. Two of them got damping off and now we only have five. How does that affect our ability to meet our orders? And it'll, if you, if you go in and adjust that and you say, you know, we had seven, now we have five. If you had a ton of surplus, it won't be a problem and you, you won't get a warning. But maybe you're not now you drop into the deficit zone and it'll give you a warning. It'll say you no longer have enough to meet your orders. It might stop there and it might leave it up to the user to communicate with with uh, chefs or restaurants to decide who does and who doesn't get Chiso that week. But it, it'll hopefully work on both ends to say, hey, we have excess. I want to make sure I capture this revenue or or prevent waste in my farm. And oh, we have deficit. We got to make sure the chefs know right away so they can plan accordingly. No, that's a great feature, right? Because it's going to help you with sales and not have ticked off customers when they get shorted the last moment, right? Exactly. Or you can just go to them and like, here's an alternative for this that I'm going to be short on so that they can they can plan and you can plan and, and use up some of your other deficits. Great exactly. feature. Great feature. Hey, sorry, we, we don't have your CISO, but here's a whole list of our surpluses. Pick what you want. Right. Super. Yeah. Well, this is really good. And um this is in beta right now. I'm assuming you have you have some testers. Yeah, we are using Pinot uh, Microgreens. My farm as a as a tester, and then four other farms in North America. And although it's hard to say because we're you know as we discover core missing features from our beta testers that we haven't considered, it extends the timeline. But we are aiming for beginning of November, so about. Okay. Uh, six weeks, six to eight weeks for a public launch. Um, and then we will, then we'll hopefully get a whole lot of feedback real fast after that in terms of prioritizing what of the nice to have features are most important to our users. Great. Well, Garrett has said that he's going to send me some screenshots or maybe a little video, the whole process that I can put into the show notes. So you can yeah. check below to go to the show notes page. So where can people sign up? to get more information on microgreen manager and contact you or any other social media sites that you want to promote. Absolutely. We have, we've created a presence, if nothing else on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and uh, Facebook, but we're really sharing the features and the updates on Instagram, which goes to Facebook and TikTok. So that's where you can keep up to date on what we're working on and what's changing. And then as far as getting active updates, you can either go to microgreenmanager.com or you can click the link in our Instagram bio and it'll take you there. And that is a super basic landing page that'll tell you a little bit about the software and what's planned. And it'll provide a place at the bottom for you to put in your name and email so that you do get updates as we release them um, in terms of launch date and 
maybe the desire for beta testers or, or whatever, whatever it comes to. Great. Well, I'll put links to all your social, social media and to the website down in the show notes, both and on the, pa- on the at the podcast host and on my show notes page. Well, thank you very much, Garrett. I really appreciate that first my first interview on Microgreens podcast. Um, I think it went pretty well, and I think a lot of the a lot of my listeners will find this interesting. So I hope you have a great day, and I hope my listeners have a great day. It's so a pleasure, and it was awesome. I'm, I'm flattered to be the first the first interview. Uh, I'm I'm glad it went well. Truthfully, <laughs> thanks a lot, Garrett. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. There you have it. That's Microgreen Manager. I want to thank Garrett for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I think I did not touch on that last aspect when he was talking about orders and all the functions that are in that order section. That's where it's very strong. Don't get me wrong. The tasks are very important. It tells people or you what needs to be done when it needs to be done. But the whole order section with a surplus is very important because this way you can get rid of your waste or you can tell customers that you don't have the product or you can ask the customers that they need any extra products so you're maximizing your profits with the amount of microgreens that you've grown. That's very, very important. Since all this data is combined and now you're, you're pushing it out weeks ahead of time, you can see where you're going to be long or short based on changes on orders. And that way you can get rid of your surplus You can tell your customers, hey, I've got some extra radish. Do you need any? And you can do this at the beginning of the week before the delivery instead of the day of the delivery when you say, oh, my God, I got a lot of radish left over. What am I going to do with them? This way you can plan ahead and get rid of that surplus and make more profits for your business. So just to finish up here, I really, again, I, I really appreciate Garrett coming on the podcast. There's more information in the show notes. And I hope you like this interview, this interview format. Let me know. Give me some feedback, whether you liked it or not liked it, or whether you want more information on businesses or more on home growing. But by all means, go to Micah Green Manager and sign up for his updates. And you know, let him know that you, you heard it from the Micah Green's podcast. That would really help out the podcast. This is not a sponsored podcast, and I am not an affiliate with Micah Green Manager at all. But it will just show Garrett that Coming onto these podcasts is very helpful for him and his business. So in closing, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Get out there, grow some trays of microgreens, enjoy the process, and we'll talk to you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Microgreens podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. It really helps out the podcast. As always, stop by homemicrogreens.com and say hello. Now before the next show, plant your next tray of micros. Let's keep growing. <laughs>